Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Leo's life. We thank you, Lord, that um, this is not an occasion, Lord. Sunday morning is not an occasion. Lord, it's part of a lifestyle that you are putting into our young people. It's part of uh, day by day, walk, uh, week by week, Lord God, a walk with you. And so as Neil shares this morning, Lord, we open our hearts to hear from you. We believe, Lord, you can speak through him. Um, Lord, we don't look down on our young people, Father God, but we thank you for the example that they set. And we allow them, Lord God, to challenge us to go further um, with you, Lord. And so we trust in you this morning, Lord. I pray that he would enjoy this. I pray that you'd speak through him. And that you ministered to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, we don't look down because... There we go. Thank you, Thank you very much. There you go. Can, can everyone hear me there at the back? So, Sal uh, shared with us last week how I did... <laughs> so, Sal shared with us last week how I did well in my matric. And he looked at the one question with defeat and defense. Um, but he didn't look at the other question that they asked me. They said, what happens if you rearrange the letters of postman? So I said, well, the postman would get pretty angry with you. Um, and then I got full marks for that. Um, don't rearrange a postman's letter. Um, sorry, it, it wouldn't be a little joke without a, uh, a little preach without a joke. Um, so last week, Donnie was talking to us about our calling, um, and how challenging it sometimes can be for us to follow on exactly what God has planned for us and to be able to run fully and finish the race that God has marked out for us. We looked at Moses and Elijah and Jesus as well about some of the challenges that they faced. Um, and so kind of my message is a continuation on from that because God highlighted to me one of the biggest challenges that we sometimes face in that walk with God is this temptation to settle for something good rather than be able to press on and follow into exactly what God has planned for us. And there's always this distraction at some point in our walk with Christ that says, you know, because of the limitations, because of the challenges, I just want to give up with this and just settle for something that it, it isn't quite that, but at least it's something. And so often we want to make this compromise or, or settle for something less than what God has planned for us. But I feel like this morning God's wanting to, to call that out of us and say, be prepared to follow exactly all the way through with, with what I have planned. And we'll look at some biblical examples of this. But even in me getting to this message and God giving this word to me, he kind of was testing this out of me as well. Because last week, Thursday at the prayer meeting, I thought God give me a message. I was excited. I had verses, everything. Then a little bit later on, I was going over it again. And it didn't feel like that was the word I was going to preach. God was like, no, it's not this one. So I was like, okay, well, why did you tell me? Anyway, it's fine. He said, <laughs> he said wait. I was like, okay, I'll wait. Then Sunday comes during the worship. I felt other word, finish the race. And I was like, then when Donnie starts preaching and it's, Similar, I was going to refer to Moses and Elijah. Donnie refers to Moses and Elijah. And I'm like, okay, there. I've even got the confirmation. Have verses. I had a video plan. I was very excited. Then Sunday afternoon, I go and I start writing it. And again, that same feeling that God said, no, this isn't your word. And I'm like, okay, well, you've done this twice now. Um, but I'll trust you. He said, wait, and I'll wait. 
Then Thursday comes and it's like, okay, I, I need something now, Lord. Where, where's this word that you said you'd give me? And now because it's close to Sunday, I'm like, okay, God still hasn't given me that word, but I do have these other two preachers. Maybe I should just try and make them work. Like I did have some verses. I can get some good examples um, and maybe we can make it work. And as I was going through that thought process, God said to me, Leo, are you willing to, you know, this, this isn't the word that I'm giving you. I told you, you must wait. And he said, Leo, are you willing to settle for something that is less than what I want you to say? Are you willing, because of time pressure, because of these like physical constraints, are you willing to set aside the word of God for something that is your word that you can maybe make decent, but it's not the word of God. And as he said that to me, I was like, okay, there we go. There's the word. Because so often, especially because of time, but not only because of time, as we'll look at in a moment, we want to just go with what's easier for us. Or sometimes we don't think there is an alternative. And it's like, well, I have to do something. It's Thursday. I'm preaching on Sunday. I need something. And so it's just, okay, I'll just set aside what God wants to say and I'll just try and make something work. Um, but this morning, God's saying to us, don't do that. Be willing to wait for me. So the title is settling for, uh, not settling for God, but waiting for something that is good. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> not settling for good and waiting for God. Not bad. Apologies. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the first example that we have of this is the Israelites. When they come out of Egypt, they go to the promised land. If you read Exodus and Numbers, the number of times the Israelites are like, why did you bring us out of Egypt if only we could go back? So, so they come out of Egypt, God works miracles. They come out and then the Egyptian army is chasing them. They're like, oh, if only we hadn't come out. If we'd rather be back in Egypt, at least we, could, we were alive there. Sure, there was slavery, but at least we had something. They wanted to go back. Then God splits the Red Sea and it's like, Okay, no, this, this is God. And then a little bit later on, oh, now where's the food? We'd rather be back in Egypt than starve. And then there's the manna. And it, it carries on and on. And even as they're about to enter the promised land, and we'll pick up here from Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. Obviously, I would have a slide, but um, you'll have to get it yourself. Do it. Yeah. So Numbers 14, 1. So as they're going to go into the promised land, they, they send the scouts. We, we know the story. And they see these tall people, my heart, even taller than me, some of them. Um, hard to believe, I know. I would be scared as well. Um, but they, they go and they're like, how are we ever going to defeat these people? And Numbers 14 verse 1 says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And then following this, we know what then happened is the Israelites had to wait another 40 years before they were able to enter the promised land. And the reason is because when it got tough, when it looked like it was impossible for them to inherit the promised land, the Israelites said, Okay, well, we want to be in the promised land. We want this land of milk and honey, but we don't see how it's ever going to be possible. So let's settle for going back to Egypt. Again, it's, it's not ideal. 
Um, it's a land of slavery, but at least we were alive there. At least we could care for ourselves somewhat there. And so they were willing to get rid of what God had planned for them and settle and compromise for something, I guess you could say good, because that was what they thought their best alternative that was available for them. And as we said, what happens then after that is they then miss out on the promises of God because they weren't able to wait for what God had planned for them and they settled for something less than God. Um, We see a similar story with Saul. Um, Saul, we know he was appointed, anointed by by God to be the king Um, and he starts out really well. You know, they say, is Saul one of the prophets? Because he's prophesying, Spirit of God is, is upon Saul. And he wins all these victories and stuff like that. But then we read in 1 Samuel 13 verse 7. um, You can turn there. This is kind of where it goes a little bit south for Saul. Because there's a a war that's going on. And so Saul and Samuel had agreed on the seventh day. We'll read that just now. We're going to... Thanks Chantal. We're going to offer a a sacrifice for God and find out what is his plan. When does he want us to go... Is he wanting us to retreat like that Saul wanted to seek the Lord's favor before entering into this war? Um, And so we see in 1 Samuel 13 verse 7, it says, Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. I don't know, maybe there was a broken down truck on the N2, stuck in traffic. so, So he wasn't there at the appointed time. Um, so then it says in, in verse 8, So he said, Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. So here we see that there was a, a time appointed that Saul was going to offer these sacrifices. But then because Samuel didn't come, Saul was like, Okay, I can't enter into this battle without seeking the Lord's favor first. So he's like, This is the way... God said I must do it with Samuel, but because Samuel's not here, I have to find an alternative. And so he then goes out and he offers the sacrifices himself because that's the best alternative he thinks is available for him. Rather than waiting for the way God said you must do it, he's like, I, okay, that's not going to happen. What is the best option for me to, to do here? So, so he does it himself. Then we pick up again in verse 13. Samuel says, what is it you've done? Saul explains. And Samuel says, you have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So here again, we see Saul misses out on the call of God and the promises of God. And he doesn't finish his race. Because at the time when he had a decision to wait for God or do the alternative, he's like, this is the only thing I can do. He settles for good rather than waiting for God's timing. Then the final example is of Peter. We've spoken about it quite a bit um, in Matthew 16 verse 21. I don't think we'll go through it. But it's just where Jesus predicts what's going to happen to him. And then Peter's like, no, I'm not going to let this happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And when I read this, I kind of feel a bit sorry for Peter because I put myself in his shoes and I'm like, if my friend came up to me and predicted all these things were going to happen to him, I would think it would be a good thing for a friend to do to say, no, I'm not going to let that happen. 
I'll stand up for you, I've got your back. And if that friend then turned to me and was like, get behind me, Satan, I'd be like, well, you know, defending someone against what Jesus is saying is going to happen, that's not just like an easy thing to do. That's Peter's taking a risk and saying, I'm not going to let that happen to you. And so then for Jesus to be like, get behind me, Satan, it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm being a good friend for you. Why are you, why are you saying this? And, and we see later on, it's because Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And so again, we see that Peter, because he didn't know the will of God, because he didn't know what God was doing, he was like, okay, this makes the most sense. This seems good for me to do. So let me go out and do that. And so we'll look at, again, at some of the things that we need to do to pre- prevent um, settling for good. But again, we see that Peter, because he doesn't know what God has in plan, he's kind of following blindly and he ends up not doing what God wants him to do. And we can do the same thing sometimes because we maybe don't know what it is that God's doing. We end up saying, okay, this is the best thing for me to do. Let me go out and do that. And then it's actually not what God wants us to do. So having looked at some examples, and there's many others, you could look at Solomon, who he kind of lost track of what God was doing and he focused on worldly stuff. He settled for that rather than what God had planned. Um, You could look at Abraham when God gave him the promises and he didn't see how it was going to happen with Sarah. So then he, he does other stuff. And then eventually we see God. <laughs> and then eventually, ignore that. Um, but then eventually we see, then, then the, the story of Isaac does come through. But there's so many stories that we see where God gives us a promise, but it gets challenging to follow through with that. And so it becomes so much easier to try and look for the other way out. Um, so there, there's many other examples you can look at that. But I felt like God was saying to me, um, and just to share now, why is that such a problem for us to look for good, not God? The first um, is just the idea of pride. Again, you can look at Saul. Because it didn't look like God was going to come through, he looked within himself for the solution. Again, with the Israelites, we don't know how God's going to deliver us here. So let's turn to ourselves. Look, what is the best way we can save ourselves? So as we go back to Egypt and we so often, when it gets challenging, we look within ourselves for the solution. And that's then the problem when we go for what is good, because that is birthed out of pride and out of our own decision making rather than submitting to God and following what he has. So that's the first reason. The second reason is because when we're doing something that is good and that's not God, it's not something that is being built by God. Um, Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder is labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the gods stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So what this verse is saying is that if you're not doing something with God, if, if God's not building that thing, no matter how much work you're putting into it, no matter how many resources, whatever it is, ultimately it's in vain. For example, let's say there's a community that you think this community could really do with a church plant. And you think this is a good idea. It's, you know, planting a church is is generally something we consider a good idea. But unless God has said to you, go and plant that church there, no matter how many resources you put into it, you can get state-of-the-art technology, you can do all these advertisements, whatever. But unless God is building that church, 
your time there is, is being wasted. Because you think it's a good idea, but unless it's God, it's, it's not going to build the way that you want it to. It's not going to have that kingdom impact. Souls aren't going to be saved the way that you want them to because it's, again, birthed out of your own ideas, what you think is good rather than what God's plan is. Not saying that planning a church is bad. We, we agree that it's something that we are meant to do. But it's only when it's under God's will and under God's plan that we then go into that community. Um, and so that, that's the first reason. The second reason is because if it's good and not God, there isn't any life in it. Um, Ezekiel 37 is the story of the dry bones. If you want to turn there, we'll pick up from verse 7. Um, but what that story is saying to us is that, sure, the, all the, the bones came together. It says, like, there was the skin and, and whatever that covered them. But... <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'll read, I'll read from verse 8. It says, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So here we read that unless God breathes into something, it's still, it's still dead. And we ourselves can't breathe life into anything unless it's the breath of God. And so another example, maybe there's a relationship that maybe isn't going the way that you want it to. And so you think it would be good for me to try and restore this relationship. So you go out, you invest time in trying to fix up this relationship. But unless God has told you now is the time for you to fix that relationship, unless God says, here is the opportunity, here are the words that I want you to say to them, there isn't going to be any life breathed back into that relationship because it's not under God. It's not God breathing that life. We can try as much as we want. We can put in as much time as we want, but that in itself will never breathe life into something that is dead. So even if it seems good, even if it's a great idea, um, unless it's God's plan, ultimately, again, Psalm 127, we're wasting our time. But again, the same thing is also true that when it is a relationship that God says, go and fix it. When God says, now is your time, then life will be breathed into that relationship. And, and so often, when our timing is different to God's timing. And that is one of the challenges that we have and why we settle for good rather than wait for God. Because we think, okay, now is the time when God says, no, not yet. Continue waiting for me. Continue pushing and trusting in what I have in store and the plans and the timing that I have. And it's a very difficult thing to do. And so what I love about God when he corrects us and he says, okay, this is what you're doing wrong. He doesn't say, okay, now figure it out. He also helps us on how, what we can do to try and improve what, what we're doing. He, he shows us, and we'll look at that now, what we can do to protect us from settling for good, protect us from looking for that alternative. The first thing is to have faith. Um, James chapter 1 verse 6 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And so when we ask for something, maybe we'll go back to that church planting example. We ask for God to, to plant a church in that community. But unless we believe that God is going to do it and have faith that he's going to do it, nothing actually is going to happen there. 
And when we don't have faith, when we have a lack of faith, that then leads us to look for the alternative. If we go back to, to the Israelites, because they didn't have faith that God would be able to deliver them and like get them into the promised land, because they didn't have faith that that was going to happen, they were like, okay, we need to look for the alternative here. We need to find some other way that we can do it where we can just stay alive. Because God said this, but we don't have faith that he's going to be true to what he said. So they look for an alternative way. Um, and just on this thing of faith, something that God was saying to me, even in prepping this, this message, is that when you say you have faith in something, that means you don't have an alternative or a backup plan. Again, with this preach example, if I had gone and written that ex- the, the other preach anyway, God is saying that's not faith. Because I was considering, do I just go and write it, as I was saying? And God said, no, don't write it. Have faith that I'm going to give you the other message which I want you to share on the Sunday. But I could so easily have said, no, I I believe you, but at the same time, just in case. Because it's Thursday and I I need something. So there's that, that question of, okay, we believe, but I could maybe implement a backup plan. But God's saying that's not faith. If we look at the example and the story of Gideon, um, like an amazing story of faith where God reduces the army of the Israelites to such a small number compared to what Judges records as like a numberless army. That's a story of faith where they said, okay, we're going to trust you, God, and we're going to follow the way that you said. And they went to battle with um, trumpets and candles or whatever it was. And that just makes no sense that that's going to work. But because they had faith, we see that work. But just imagine if Gideon had said to the the army that God had said, like, they're not going to fight. If he'd said, okay, we have faith that God's going to come through. This is the plan. But just in case it goes south, you guys can be on standby. So we'll give you a call. You can come rescue us. Forget, like, trying to root the invasion or anything like that. You can just come and, and just protect us. Just in case. We have faith that God's going to do it. 100% we believe. But we've got the water covered as well. And God's saying that's not faith. Because faith is saying I trust you completely. And I'm not going to try have a plan B or a plan C in case this doesn't work. Um, and sometimes we can fool ourselves into thinking we, we're believing in God and we have faith in him. But because of us having that plan B, we're actually not having faith in God. And that's not something that God wants. The whole story of that thing with Gideon was God did it in order to prove that the Israelites could not boast that they did it in their own strength. If they had that backup plan, they would have said, you know, we, in case God didn't come through, we still, we still had our, ourselves covered. But the whole point of faith is complete trust in God. And so it comes down to this as well. When we want to follow what God has planned for us and not have the alternative of looking for something good it's important that the faith that we have is complete faith and that we don't try and prepare an alternative solution because when we do that the likelihood of when it gets hard us turning to that alternative is very high there was a study that was done that said people who have a plan b are less likely to succeed in their plan a the reason being because their thoughts are also on that plan b and they're not following completely plan a the same with our faith god says do this but if we're 80 percent doing that and 20 percent preparing that alternative we're not going to be able to step fully into the thing that god has planned for us and when it gets tough we're going to look for that alternative as well 
So the first thing for not settling for good is to have faith in what God has, has planned for us and said, and trust that he can deliver us the way that he said he will. The second thing is to have patience. And this kind of follows on. But as we've looked at a lot, one of the biggest things that makes us look for that alternative is when there is like a time pressure. When there's like, okay, Lord, I need you to work now because I'm running out of time. You can look at Saul. Saul said, we've had seven days. I can't wait any longer because like this war is happening. Look at the soldiers. They're quaking with fear. We can't delay any longer. So Saul, out of impatience, he said, this is the only thing that I can do. And so in the same way, God's saying, in order to make sure that you're able to wait for God and not settle for that thing that is good, be able to have patience in me. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And I love in that verse, it doesn't just say wait for the Lord and then move on. It says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That says that having patience and waiting for God isn't an easy thing. It's not something that we say, okay, cool, I'm just going to be patient and then you move on with it. It says, be strong and take heart. It's going to take determination. It's going to take an effort from us to wait for God. Especially when there's, there will be a moment where it's, I can either go for this alternative or I can wait for God. It's at that point that we need that patience. But thankfully, Galatians 5 says one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. So we don't have to try and get this patience from within ourselves. Through the Holy Spirit, we have access to that patience. So by us spending time with Him, spending time on the Word, praying, praising, we're able to to gain access to that patience. And God equips us and prepares us so that we're able to wait for his timing um, and, and live out the way that he wants us to live out. The final thing, the final thing, um, and then we're done, is in order to not settle for something that is good, it's important that we know what God's will is. And we can look back at Peter. Because Peter didn't know what, what God's will is, he, he lived out what he thought was the best thing he could do. The same is so often true with us. If we look back at the relationship example, the church example, whatever it is, so often because we don't know what God's will is, we just end up blindly following what we think is the best thing that we can do. And so often we end up messing it up and then it's like, get behind me, Satan, because we haven't known what God's will is. And so at the end of the day, we're working against God. If we're pursuing what we think is good, and we're not investing our time and our energy into what God wants us to be doing. And unless we're following God's will, we just end up kind of counteracting the work that God wants us to do. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here again, we receive the instruction, how then can we follow God's will? Do not conform to the pattern of the world. The world says it is good for you to do X, Y, and Z. It is, the world says to Peter, it is good for you to say to Jesus, I'm not going to let this happen to you. Jesus says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So by us conforming to the pattern of the world, we end up following what the world says is good. And so often that is completely different to God's will. Um, and, and so... On the flip side, when we don't conform to that and when we renew our mind, we get our eyes 
focused and fixed on Jesus, then we're able to see what his will is. Then we're able to understand what it is that God's doing in our community or through us. Then we're able to know, okay, this community, church plant, this relationship, start getting it back on track, um, whatever the case may be. At the leaders meeting last week, Donnie was talking to us about prophesying. And that again links to us hearing what the will of God is, calling forth the will of God and stepping into that will of God. That's it's something that's so important that we get connected completely with the will of God. Because otherwise it's, it's impossible for us to somehow figure out where we're trying to go and somehow end up the way that God wants us to end up. 99% of the time we're going to end up on the wrong track and, and settling for what we think is the best thing that can happen there. So just in closing, one of the biggest challenges that we have in finishing that race and living out the calling that God has for us is being able to say no to other solutions or alternatives when life gets a bit, ch- uh, a bit challenging. Um, is to say no when there's an alternative that is the best thing that we think possible. When we hit a brick wall, what we think is a brick wall, um, and we're like, okay, what's the way around it rather than trusting that God will break down that wall um, and help us through it. And God's saying to us, because he loves us, he said to like the, the Israelites, you deserve better than slavery in Egypt. You, I want the promised land for you. I want you to live in a land of milk and honey. And God's saying to us, don't settle for something that is good. Because of the work that I have done, you are, you are my children and I want the best for you. I don't want you to settle for something that is below that. God didn't want the Israelites to settle for slavery in Egypt. He wanted them to live completely free in a land flowing with milk and honey. And he's saying to us as well, he wants the best for us. And so, yeah, we talk about this in terms of our calling, but it's also just our life in general. God's saying he wants the best for us. Don't settle for a good alternative when God has the best for us. But the same with our calling, don't try and look for a way out. That's not the way that God wants us to do it. Be prepared um, and God will help us to be able to withstand the challenges and be able to press on to the things that God has planned for us. With him, with faith in him, we're able to say no to the alternatives and to follow through exactly with his calling. Um, Yeah, that's... Excellent. Let's stand together. Uh, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. And uh, I believe that He is able to direct our steps all the way um, into that plan. It's up to us to obey and to trust Him, to know that He's got, he's got our best interests at heart. I think often when we start the journey, we... We think, Lord, I've got to fight for something that's good for me because no one else is. But I want to say this, that God, your Father, God in heaven, wants the best for you. And Leo said that as well. And so maybe just take a moment to think about this. Lord, am I going down a track that's maybe good for now, good for me, good for the temporary, but it's not you. Maybe, Lord, I need to just pull back from that. Get back to a place where I hear your voice, hear you speak, and rather act on that.
Let's make those adjustments as Neil prays for us. Father, thank you for the word that you have shared, Lord. Thank you that you are clearly speaking to us, Lord, about our calling. We've heard it two weeks in a row now, Lord, about following you completely right to the end. Lord, thank you that, that you point out flaws that we have, Lord. You want us to finish that race, Lord. So thank you that you've shown us today some of the challenges that we face. Lord, thank you that you've shown us that we'll never finish the race that you have marked out for us if we look for, for alternatives, if we settle for paths that isn't the path that you have for us. Lord, thank you that despite the challenges that we will face, Lord, thank you that you are there helping us and equipping us. Lord, we ask that you'd increase our faith in you, Lord. Remind us maybe of some of the things that you've done in our lives up until this point. Lord, that we'd be able to see, wow, I wouldn't be here without you. And why won't you do it again? Lord, we read the story of the Israelites and all the number of miracles that you did in the wilderness. And then for them to get to the promised land and be like, Lord, we don't trust that you're able to do this. Lord, help us not be a people like that. Lord, help us not, despite all the things that you have done for us, help us not say, okay, this one, this one's too much. Yeah, he helped me those times. Yeah, he split the Red Sea for me. Yeah, he gave me manna from heaven. But this, one, this one's too much. Lord, help us be a people that says there is nothing too much for you. Lord, help us be a people that knows that there is nothing impossible for you. Lord, we sang it already. When our God is for us, who can be against us? Lord, help us be a people that declare that. Help us be a people that have complete faith in you. Lord, help us to have patience. Lord, help us when... When everyone is saying you need to act now and you're saying wait, Lord, help us be a people that are able to follow your word completely. Lord, help us have strength. Help us take heart and trust in you and wait for you. Lord, thank you that blessed are those who wait on the Lord. Lord, help us be a people that wait on you. Lord, for you, time is so different to the way we see time. For you, thousand years is like a day and a day like a thousand years Lord, help us be able to connect to your definition of time lord just that we'd be able to be patient and wait for you and lord we're not only talking about time maybe there's there's challenges with with resources that says i need to act now or else i, I don't know where i'll go if i don't act now lord help us at that point when you said wait help us to be able to wait on you holy spirit thank you that you give us patience, Lord. And, and Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives. Just that you would give us patience, that you would increase our faith in you. And then finally, Lord, we ask that you'd reveal your will for us individually, Lord, for your church, for our community, for our nation. Lord, that we'd be able to see exactly what it is that you're doing. Lord, that we see what it is that your kingdom, where it's advancing, Lord. Help us get behind completely your will. Lord, we want to submit today our will and our plans and what we think is good and our human intentions and our human concerns, Lord. And we want to be able to step forth completely in your plan and your concerns and your intention and your will. Lord, help us not conform to the way of this world. Lord, renew our minds. Transform us, Lord, that we get to know you closer, that we get to know your will. Lord, help, help us even today, Lord, in whatever circumstances or situation we leave this building and go to lord remind us of the word that you have shared remind us lord that this is 
this is it, Lord. This is our race. Everyone is saying go somewhere else, but you are saying narrow is the gate, Lord. Help us follow that narrow gate, that we'd be able to, to follow what, what you want for us, Lord. Lord, may your word not return void, Lord. May, you, may it go forth out of this building. May we leave here changed, Lord. May those around us feel something of the change that we've experienced, Lord. Pray for your kingdom to come, Lord. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.